Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. My name is Stephanie Hubka, and I am the 2021 Vice President of Finance. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC Chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niago, Vice President of Learning. We also have Helena Hodges, our Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing employee engagement expert, global motivational and keynote speaker, CEO of Change for Growth, and the best-selling author of Powered by Happy, Beth Thomas. Welcome, Beth. Thank you so much for having me here today. Well, we are thrilled you're joining us. And before we dive into today's topic on employee engagement, tell us a little bit about yourself so that our listeners can get to know you too. Sure, I would love to. So I started out my career at a company that many of you are probably familiar with, and that is Limited Brands. And at the time that I worked there, I was in a in a role that was similar to a chief learning officer role, and I was responsible for organizational change. Was there for about ten years. I went to uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and got them through the merger with Bank One, and was in a senior vice president role around learning and development and change management. And then I went to the dark side of consulting. I founded and started up a consulting business called Sequent Consulting and purchased it four years ago. And it is called now Change for Growth. And I'm the founder and CEO of that business. I have two wonderful and beautiful daughters, Tiffany and Madison. My dog's name is Louis Vuitton. And I'm, <laughs> I'm married to my husband that is my high school sweetheart. So, um, and his wow. name is JT. Yeah. So that, that's my world. That's a pretty great world to be in. Wow, that's great. So as we dive in today, I would love to hear from you how you define happiness. Happiness is just such a, it's a big term. I know it's something all of us strive for. What is your definition of happiness? You know what? It's a great question because when I go speak about my book, Powered by Happy, and I'm in these sessions and I ask everybody, and and some of these sessions have 500 people, and I'll say, how many of you want to be happy? Everybody raises their hand. How many of you have sat down and defined what happiness means to you? And maybe 10 people out of 500 raise their hand. And I find that so interesting because it's like, if you want to be something, You've got to define it and go after it, right? So the one thing that I would say about the definition of happiness is it evolves with every stage of your life. So you ask me, what's my definition of happiness? Right now, it's about balance. It is about making others happy. I think that I've been so blessed with such an amazing career where I have worked for great companies, worked for great clients. And now I really want to help others be successful. I want to, you know, help my children get to heaven. I want to help them flourish in their careers and in their own lives. And, you know, I want to look at retirement here someday soon um, in the next five to seven years. And and I'm excited about what that, you know, is. But, you know, if you would have asked me that 30 years ago, I would have said, oh, I want to be a vice president. I want a corner office. I want my own, you know, executive assistant. But now it's about how can I work the least amount of time and, uh, <laughs> you know, really find that balance in life. So 
it is about faith, family and friends and, you know, sprinkling in a little bit of work here and there. (laughs) I think that's a great definition. And what I especially love is the thought that it evolves. You know, we are, I think you're right in that a lot of us are pursuing happiness in some way, but we don't often take the moment we need to define what it means and maybe even give ourselves the space to understand that happiness right now may be very different than happiness tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now. It's almost that call to continue to ask yourself. Don't let that question slip from, you know, your day to day, your your year to year. And there's something that we talked about as we were kind of, even before we hit record today, You mentioned something, and I may get the phrasing wrong, but you were talking about how we're almost facing an unhappiness epidemic. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. I'd love to hear more about what you mean by that. How does that appear in some of the work that you do or within the organizations you work with? Well, that's a great question. You know, I would say before the pandemic, we were looking at um, people being either disengaged or unhappy at work at almost 75%. So it was anywhere between 45 to 55%, depending on, you know, which paper or research you would look into. And now they're saying it's it's higher than 85%. And to me, that causes um, great concern, not only for organizations, but for people's mental health. I have seen so many people struggle with the pandemic and what it has done to them over the last, you know, now we're looking at over a year of not being engaged at work, um, staring at a computer all day, feeling afraid to go out, not being able to have the personal relationships that they have, and, and really losing sight of the culture. I talked to my one of my clients recently, and they said, we really don't have a culture anymore. Our culture has been shot because people are not coming together. People need that relationship building. And I, I feel like I wanted to say to so many CEOs who are making they were making the rule of we're never going to go back to work. And and to me, that's so short-sighted. And it's like, don't try to save money on real estate. You need to really figure out what is the best culture that you're trying to achieve now that the pandemic is starting to wind down. At least we are hopeful. And it's looking at what is the new normal. And I know everybody hates that term, but truly it is what is our new normal? And, and what is our new culture going to be? And what does that look like? Because one of the benefits of COVID, right, is that you are able to have like a blended kind of remote work atmosphere where you can come into the office sometimes and maybe work remotely, where some organizations never thought they'd work remote. They're now going to have that opportunity. And I think we've been able to prove out that it can be very effective in some certain circumstances. However, people are not really asking the employees, you know, what do you want? How can you be the best, your best self? So I think it's important to really reach out to your organization and the people that create the culture and say, what does success look like for you? What does happiness at work look like for you? How do you want to be engaged? How do you want to engage with your managers and et cetera? So I think it's a lot about definition building and, and seeking out what makes people happy at work. And, and creating that new normal for them. And I think the reason why people are so unhappy is that not only are they unhappy, their managers are unhappy. And you know yeah. how it rolls downhill, mm-hmm. right? So sure. managers are not skilled. Leaders are not skilled on how to create virtual workforce and how to create 
a culture and an engaging um, an engaging culture. So we have a lot of managers, a lot of leaders out there who are not skilled to do that. And therefore, the person, the employees are the ones that are failing or feel like they're failing. And they're the ones that are suffering in silence. And that's what I see the most. People just disengage. I've talked to so many young people and they are just wrought with frustration, stress. They're doing more with less. And the company doesn't even know it because they can't see it. And that's scary. I'm curious what your thoughts are on how to combat disengagement. And I'm really asking this from the perspective of a person who finds themselves in that space. They're an employee who's going into work every day and they're truly, they're, they're simply feeling disengaged, you know, and it could be the result of many things. Are there strategies that one of those employees might be able to take to either help themselves or perhaps to position themselves in a way where they might be able to address that with a manager or with the employer as a whole? So if you are finding yourself disengaged, the first thing that you really have to diagnose is what is causing you the most unhappiness? Is it your workload? Is it your relationship with your manager? Is it not being able to work with your teammates? Um, Is it you're doing so much more with less and you're not getting the direction that you need? Um, Is it the negative activity that is surrounding you from a culture perspective? So really it's identifying and writing down what is causing the disengagement first. Then you have to start creating solutions and also connect with your manager about some of the things that you can impact. So if you're feeling frustrated about your workload, then it's talking to your manager about what that is. If you are feeling disengaged because you're sitting in front of a Zoom all day long, it is really about you know asking your manager, can we have a team event? Can we get out? Can we go back to the office and safely you know get in a conference room together? If they're not getting direction and they're feeling frustrated and stressed about that, you know, it's really talking to your manager about how to create that success in what you're doing. But then it's really about taking care of yourself mentally because some people don't know why they're disengaged. So it is really finding that balance, exercising and and defining what you want and going after it. And, and sometimes you may not be in the right role. So it's really identifying you know, is this the right place for you? Um, and and what are you going after? What is that perfect job scenario? Those are some of the things that they can do immediately. It's really good advice. And I think it ties so nicely into what you were talking about as we kick things off today on how if you don't take the time to think about what happiness means to you, it's going to be a lot harder to achieve happiness and perhaps even reflective of the fact that sometimes when you start your dream job, it is just that. It's a dream job. But over time, as you grow, perhaps you do start to see some of the disengagement coming from the fact that you've grown to a point where it's no longer the right fit. So it's almost looking at balance between some of some of those challenges. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, people believe they are getting that dream job and then they then they get into reality. And either your boss is a jerk because 80% of the people leave their boss, not their company. And, and that's where I think companies are making some of the biggest mistakes is they're allowing these people to be managers without any kind of training or training on how do you engage your employees. And, you know, while I do believe that employee engagement is 
is definitely a shared responsibility between the employee and the employer. The employer really needs to make sure that the managers are skilled in making sure they know how to engage employees. And then the employee's responsibility is, you know, taking that dream job and bringing it into a reality. And if it's not, then taking charge of your destiny and creating that perfect job scenario. And guess what? It may not be in the company that you are. It may be in a different company. I had somebody ask me one time, you know, I want to be promoted. And it seems like everybody that's promoted, they have to work 70 hours a week. They have to, um, you know, it's all about FaceTime. And it seems really difficult. I just had a baby. And she said, what would I do? And I said, quit. Yeah. Because you know what? That's a culture that you're not going to be able to change. That's like turning an elephant around in a closet. You (laughs) want to be able to, you know, find a culture that's going to help you be your best self, right? And where you can thrive and where you can be happy because that happiness at work, it will translate not only into such a better life for you, but more productivity and more, you know, increased bottom line for your organization. So, I mean, there's so many uh, benefits to being happy at work and it's not just trite. It really is about engagement and how it translates to the bottom line. But there's so much that goes into it, but people don't want to kind of take accountability and plan for it. It's kind of like I say to people, how many of you create New Year's resolutions? And you really, you know, you create a plan, you dedicate time, you focus on it. But when it comes to happiness or happiness at work, you just sit back and sometimes are just miserable. And some people are, get paralyzed in that state and they don't feel like they can really get out of that. And and create a plan in order to get happy at work. Yeah. Yeah. Beth, you mentioned before that people's definition of happiness changes. And I think Stephanie used the word evolves. What would you say tends to prompt these kind of changes? It can be anything from a life event, like I've become a mother, to an age, like I'm close to retirement or I'm super ambitious and I want to get a raise and I want to get a promotion. Um, so it can evolve around, you know, life events, timing and, and changes to your own personal definition of happiness. Right. So you may, like I said, when you get out of school, you want to, you want to make the most amount of money. I remember when I got out of school, I said, I want to make as much money as I am old. And then at 30, I was like, yeah, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so, you know, that, then it was like, okay, now I need to evolve to my next one. And, and, you know, now I get to the point where it's like, gosh, I've worked really hard over the last 30 years. Now I want to work less and enjoy life a little more. So it, it can be multiple things. But I think the best thing for you to do is when you feel a shift, whether it's in your position or whether it's in your life, to always step back and say, is my definition of happiness still relative to me at this moment? And you can really find that out by doing that pie exercise where you say, okay, I have a pie here and I'm going to start to slice how I'm spending my time. And, and is the way I'm spending my time going to support my definition of happiness? And if it isn't, how can I shift that? Right? Absolutely. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I do want to ask a question almost from the flip side of some of this, because I think we've talked quite a bit about 
employees. And I know somewhere out there, we have some listeners who are employers. Perhaps they manage a team or they manage a function or maybe a whole organization. And they might be sitting up a little straighter right now thinking, is my culture the kind of culture that will promote engagement or will it promote disengagement? And so I'm wondering, what would you provide for advice for someone who's wondering what they can do to build the kind of culture that is going to promote engaged employees? That's a great question. I'd be happy to answer it because the first thing that they have to do is care. Yeah. You know, because I see so many managers that are just going through the motions, but at the end of the day, they're not caring and they're not managing by kind of walking around. And now you can't walk around anymore. But how do you get to know your employees, not only on a professional level, but a personal level as well? and really understand what they're looking for and how you can support it, how you can enable it. Because I think that's so critical that it's not a one-size-fits-all. Employee happiness and employee engagement needs to be customized. You need to reach out and find how people want to be recognized, rewarded, how much it means to them to you know, understand the value that they have to the organization. But some of the other things that that we've done in our company is you know, we really look at their career development plans and make sure that they're in the right roles. I think that really is critical to engagement. We have a happiness committee that's made up of some of our employees and they look for events, whether they're in person or virtual, on how do you create that relationship of team, right? So it's it's creating the camaraderie that is so critically important because you spend so much time with these people. You know, having Bravo cards, peer-to-peer recognition. I can't tell you how many people just want a thank you, just want a handwritten note, even more important than money. And some people just love to have like a happy hour out or food, but it's being recognized for the value that they bring to the organization, saying a simple thank you, caring, making sure that you understand how they do want to be recognized and rewarded. And, and even doing things like spot bonuses, whether it is a, um, a Starbucks card or a cash bonus, that people love to be recognized and valued for the work they do. That is such a powerful insight. And I think somewhere out there, there are a good number of managers who are taking a few notes on how they can start to incorporate this to make sure that they're building the kind of cultures that they really want to have, the kinds that will build engaged employees. And I know you shared a little bit about some of those tips. And I'm wondering, you touched on a few of them, but is there anything specific that managers or organizations need to keep in mind as we continue to work primarily with a virtual workforce? Is there anything else that they may need to know or do differently or take extra time with as they're thinking about ways to keep people engaged, knowing that it may be a little while longer before we're back together? communication. Yeah. That is so critical. I can't tell you how many people have told me that they haven't heard from their CEO at all. Wow. I, I mean, it shocks me. We, we've been having, we, we had um, uh, hump day meetings every day during the shut or every week during the shutdown. And it was for every single employee and I held them as a CEO. So I think really helping them understand that you're there to support them that there is a vision, you are being as candid and transparent as you can be uh, during this time, and you're bringing them along in the journey. The last 
thing people want to feel like is that you're doing things to them, not with them. And, and secondly, I would say it's really, really important that you understand what they want. Don't create these strategies in a vacuum and in a silo, you know, because you could be going down the complete wrong path on how people want to interact and engage in this new normal. That is absolutely great advice. And I, I think you're, you're totally right about that. A, a big part of it is finding ways to keep people connected during this time. And I would imagine, too, that even in a virtual space, any of these connections that you're fostering, they'll translate very well into the next phase of work, whether it's continued virtual, back in person, or some form of a hybrid or blended approach. Absolutely. Great. I think we have reached this part of our session. Beth, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests five rapid fire style questions. Each one requires 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. Okay. Give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goldman. I, oh, I yes. love that book and I love him and I love the entire concept because I tell people all the time, I don't care if you can run down the field faster than anybody else. I don't care if you have better pedigree or more credible, but if you can't be a team player, if you can't delight our customers, there's no place for you on my team. So I think we as a society need to really build up this competency just to be more kind to people um, and just to be more helpful and more of a servant leader. And that really comes from that emotional intelligence concept. Absolutely. It's definitely one of our capabilities um, here at ATD. Now, give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. So I would say it's a tool called Mural, and it's great for visual collaboration and facilitation, especially being virtual. Nice, nice. I've heard of it. Um, I haven't used it. What do you like about it? Um, I think it's just kind of the visual uh, activity that, you know, so many people learn different ways, so many people communicate different ways, but it's a great way to not only collaborate, but do it in a visual way. Interesting. Like that. What is the best piece of talent development related advice that you've ever been given? Mm. You know, I always believe that it's important to separate yourself from the others. So be seen as the speedy one, the unique one the one that volunteers for critical few initiatives that your organization is going through, just stand out. And I, I remember one time when I started working at Victoria's Secret, I went up to the CFO and uh, I told him he was overpaying me. And I was making $45,000 a year. And um, he just looked at me like I had three heads. Like, here's the CFO. And here I told him that I'm getting overpaid. And I just told him, I said, but I can do so much more. And he told me later, he had never been so impressed with somebody coming up and, and just saying that they can add value and they're ready to add value and they want more and, and they want to show their value to the organization. So, you know, that teamwork, the um, passion for, you know, helping others and also separating yourself, I think is really important. Wow. That's great. Thank you for that. What's one thing you're excited about that's coming up in 2021? No masks. 
for crying out loud. I, I, I want to see people's smiles and I want to see people's faces and I want to, I want to hug people again. Like I'm a hugger and I am really, really an emotional person. I really love to build relationships and I have missed so much being with my clients, being with my friends and, and just traveling around and, and seeing people and just, even seeing people on the street and seeing people smile. Like, I can't even tell if they're talking to me. I can't tell you how many people have come up to the store and they're waving to me. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. You know, it's just like, it is frustrating. So I'm really, really, really excited about getting to a new normal that is somewhere close to what we, where we were pre-COVID. Great, great. Our last question now, what is the one thing within our talent development community that you're deeply grateful for right now? I would say 90% of the time, it's the people. You know, 10% of the time, they totally get on my nerves. But 90% of the time, <laughs> it would be people. But I think also, you know, talent development folks um, have such a great heart in helping people, right? They're, they're help, trying to help people get ahead, um, develop themselves, and having that servant leadership mindset. So I really love that about their heart and their ability to really increase the talent within an organization. I think you have characterized the talent development community so well through that (laughs) statement. You are absolutely right. I think that's probably one of the things most of us are very grateful for. And it, it really... You know, I, I just can't thank you enough for taking some time today to spend inspiring us with your insights and some of the vision that you've shared with us. I really think this is an episode a lot of people are going to listen to with a little extra attention and really appreciate all of the thoughts that you've been able to share. Just what a wonderful set of concepts really to think about to make the workplace better. Well, it was certainly certainly my pleasure to be here with all of you today because this is a topic that I'm super passionate about. I I really want people to be happy at work and I want to I want to see us get back to, you know, a community, a, a region, a country where um we're kind to one another and we're helping one another be the best that they can be. So, you know, talent development plays a critical role within corporate America and, and other organizations and, and helping people really realize that. So I think each of them, each of you should really consider, you know, how do we look at happiness as a competency within the organization and how do we help people realize that and, and become more engaged? Because I don't want to see these numbers keep going up on unhappiness at work. I mean, it's, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in those statistics and and a lot of organizations are making a lot of mistakes right now. So this needs to be a focus because when you have engaged employees, you are increasing your bottom line, you're increasing your market share, you're increasing your customer satisfaction, and it should be on the top of minds of every C-level uh, person out there. So I hope that somehow this small message gets out there in a big way. Well, I'll tell you, I am very happy to sign up for that challenge, how to bring more kindness and compassion and joy into the workplace. I yeah. think that is a great way to wrap things up today. I know you said you are you miss the smiles that you used to be able to see. And I know it's kind of ironic since this is a podcast and <laughs> we can't see each other at all, but I am definitely smiling right now. So I am so glad we had a chance to chat today. 
So, of course, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. And a big thank you to my co-hosts as well. What an amazing conversation. This was great. Thank you, Beth. Agreed. Lots of awesome nuggets of wisdom. Thank you. My pleasure. And of course, many thanks to all of you in our community for listening. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. We have a lot of great events each month for you to connect with fellow DCATDers. Go to dcatd.org to sign up for one today. Love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review. 